Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. reading from Yourself and Your House Wonderful by H.A. Gerber. Chapter 12. How to Train Body and Mind. The brain, like all other parts of our body, needs good food, fresh air, both of which are brought to it by the blood boats, and plenty of exercise and of rest if you wish to keep it strong and well. By thinking hard, studying and playing with the will, and by doing everything in a brisk, wide awake, and interested way, you give your brain healthful exercise. By sleeping long and soundly every night, you give it the needed rest. We babies, whose brains are still very weak and who have everything to learn, sleep a great deal. In fact, they sleep nearly all the time, which is the very best thing babies can do. Still, as they grow older and notice more things, they become interested in themselves and in the world around them, and stay awake for a longer space of time so as to study everything they see. Almost every baby, if carefully trained from the very first hour of its life, can learn to go to sleep without rocking, singing, or fuss of any kind. He can also be trained very soon to sleep many hours at night without waking up even to be fed. A baby does not, of course, know what he really wants or needs. He is not aware, for instance, of the fact that his little stomach needs a rest between meals. If grown people are not sensible and feed him every time he wakes or cries, it will only make him more likely to wake up and cry. Then he will soon turn into a little tyrant who will make himself and everybody else very unhappy. By the time a baby is a year old, his waking times are much longer and his sleeping times far shorter. Still, he should always go to bed by 6 o'clock and stay there 12 or 13 hours, with very little care or attention during that time, receiving food only once or twice, as the doctor thinks best. Babies of that age also take two naps every day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Until nearly five years of age, every child needs a nap in the daytime, about 12 hours of sleep at night, if you wish him to keep well and grow strong. After that, and until 10, a long night rest of 12 or 13 hours will give him enough sleep. Children between 10 and 14 should always get about 11 hours rest. And for the next few years, especially if growing fast, 9 or 10 hours sleep will not prove a bit too much. It is far wiser to go to bed at 6 or 8 o'clock and get up early, if you have any studying to do, than to sit up until 10 or 11, and then rise only in time to rush off to school. In fact, most children are far too tired and sleepy to do any studying at all at night, but in the morning, their brains are so rested and bright that they learn much faster and better. If you rise early to study, it is well to drink a glass of milk slowly, and eat a cracker or piece of bread before you set to work. If you drink your milk fast or all at once, it is likely to form into a big hard lump in your stomach, and then your little dwarf will have such a bad time rolling it about and pulling it to pieces that it may put him out of temper for the rest of the day. So be careful of his feelings and drink your milk slowly. Then it will form down into your stomach in many little balls, which your dwarf can handle very easily, and get rid of long before it is time for the family breakfast. 
boys and girls who go to bed very early and study in the morning, are much more apt to do good work in school and stand up well in their classes than those who sit up late. Late hours are very bad for children of all ages. Besides that, no child or very young person should ever be out alone after nightfall. Mothers who allow their children to remain out on the streets after dark are really very unkind to them. Sunlight and air are good for everybody, and children should have plenty of play. But after dark, they should always be gathered in like chickens, close under mother's wing, so that no harm can come to them. It is much nicer to be at home with father and mother than wandering around the streets like a stray cat. Mothers, who are careful of their children, always try to keep them in. But if you have no kind mother to look after you, you should make it a rule to watch yourself and never stir away from home after dark. Girls in particular cannot be too careful about this matter. As very bad girls stroll around at night, good girls will surely be mistaken for bad if they're seen out of doors after dark. In fact, no decent woman ever goes out alone after nightfall, unless she has to do so. In that case, she goes straight about her business, looking neither right nor left, and hurries back home as quickly as she can, so that everyone who sees her may know that she is not out for her pleasure, but through necessity. None of you girls should ever pout or be cross when Mother insists on your coming in at nightfall and staying in the house until next morning. It is the kindest and wisest thing she can do, and instead of grumbling, you ought to put your arms around her neck and hug her for being so careful of you. Many a boy and girl has learned evil ways and gotten into bad habits which ruined a life, merely because allowed to linger out of doors and stroll around for pleasure after dark. You may be out many times without any harm happening to you, but it is always best to keep on the safe side of things, and in this case it means to learn to be happy and make others happy in your own home. I know several large families of boys and girls who grew up to manhood and womanhood without ever having gone out at night for pleasure, save in the company of their father or mother. These men and women now often say how glad they are that their parents were so strict about this matter, and their hearts are very sore when they see swarms of young people out in the streets at night, and think how sorry all those youngsters will feel later on, to remember they spent so many precious hours in that way. If you have eaten just enough plain wholesome food, drunk pure water, worked and played hard, and done only what is right, you will have no trouble in falling asleep almost as soon as your head touches the pillow, never mind how early you go to bed. To have a good night's rest, it is often wise not to play or work too hard just before you go to bed. Then, too, make sure that your skin is quite clean, that your night clothes are loose, and that your bed is neatly made. Next, see that your windows are open in such a way as to supply plenty of fresh air without the wind blowing in on you, and that there are enough blankets on your bed to keep you just comfortably warm, but not too hot. Lie on your back or side, straightening out your limbs and back, and do not curl up like a dog or a caterpillar. A hard mattress and a thin pillow make the very best kind of bed for growing boys and girls, each of whom should sleep alone whenever it can be managed. Doctors tell us that in some strange way, two people sleeping together are very likely to sap each other's strength. An old person sleeping with a child robs the little one of much of the strength it needs to grow and be happy. When children sleep together, they may not rob each other of so much strength, but they are sure to disturb one another and not to get as much or as restful a sleep as if each were alone in his bed. I know some country children who make their own beds by gathering nice clean corn husks, drying them carefully, tearing them into narrow strips, and stuffing them into clean bed ticks. 
This makes fine mattresses, which can be well shaken up every day. Straw in a bed tick also makes a good mattress. So you see, any child can have his own bed at very small cost. Besides, a cot can now be bought for a dollar or less, and any child who is willing to work can easily earn that much money to buy a bed of his or her own. In some houses where there are many children, and only very little room, some fathers have cleverly made double-deck beds, such as are seen in the newsboys' lodging houses. In this way, each child can sleep alone, and still the bed takes up less floor room than one broad enough for two or more youngsters. As for baby, a clothes basket padded with cotton batting and neatly lined with calico that can be washed makes an excellent bed. One woman I heard about had such a cradle for her baby. By means of a clothesline and a few small pulleys screwed into the ceiling, this basket was cleverly swung right over the foot of her bed, so she could raise it above or lower it on the bed whenever she pleased. Thus, if the baby cried or needed anything in the night, the mother stretched out her hand and loosened the rope from its fastenings near the bedhead and lowered the basket beside her. Then she could reach the baby, without getting up or catching cold by stepping out of a warm bed on a cold floor. As soon as baby had been cared for, the basket was swung up again, out of reach of all harm, yet not near enough to the ceiling for the child to breathe the bad or hot air which is always found there. Of course, such a cradle is good for a small baby only, for when the youngsters begin to climb, it is far better to have a crib for them with a good strong railing all around it. If you don't sleep well, if you have bad dreams, and if you wake up frightened, you may be quite sure it is because you have done something you should not. You have either eaten something which was not good for you, breathed bad air, drunk impure water, worked or played too much or too little, or have been too excited. All you need to do is watch yourself closely the next day, and if you are wise and live all right, you will soon sleep soundly all night and not know a thing until you wake up in the morning. Some children get in the bad habit of lying abed mornings, stretching and gaping and taking another little nap. This is, as we have said, a very bad habit. You should instead train yourself to hop right out of bed when you wake up and not waste any time in the waking process. In fact, a cold water bath is the very best thing to wake anyone up very thoroughly. A great English general, Wellington, used to make his own soldiers rise at once when the call was sounded, for he always said, when it is time to turn over, it is time to turn out. Our own great general, George Washington, also believed in doing everything promptly. For when a young officer was tardy one morning and kept Washington and his staff waiting, he sternly said, Sir, you may choose to waste your own time, but you have no right to waste ours. Time spent sleeping is never wasted, provided we have earned the right to sleep and we need rest. But the lazy boy or girl who drags about from one easy chair to another all day, who neither plays nor studies with any energy, has certainly not earned the right to rest. Still, such children do sleep a great deal very often, but their sleep does them no good. They crawl slowly out of bed every morning and are heavy and stupid. Indeed, they well deserve the name of sleepyhead, which is sure to be given them, and they are not half as nice and attractive as the wide-awake youngsters, who are busy all day and sleep like tops all night. The harder you work, the more you deserve, and the more you need a good night's rest. Sleep will give your tired brain a chance to rest, and while you are thus lost to everything, your blood boats can go on carrying material to your weary muscles and nerves, so that they too can make up for the loss of the day and be strong and fresh when you again need them in the morrow. 
If you make best use of your waking hours, you can surely get all the needful work done without robbing yourself of any sleep. Besides, that kind of a theft is not sure to do you a great deal of harm. People who won't sleep can't sleep after a while, even when they wish to do so. And if one does not get sleep enough, one is sure to feel ill and perhaps in time to become crazy. I have seen children open their books to study, think one minute of their lesson, look around the next to see what mother is doing, then read a word or two, listen to what father is saying, stare out the window, and only come back to the lesson every once in a while. It takes such youngsters a very long time to learn even the simplest thing, and then they only half know it. But if they put all their minds on their lessons, thought of that and that only, tried hard to understand just what it meant, and to fix it firmly in their minds, it would soon be packed away safely in the brain storehouse, and the memory servant would bring it out perfectly clear whenever the master chose to call for it. A few minutes of intent work is far better than hours of dawdling study. There once was a poor boy named Elihu Burritt. He had to earn his living by blowing the bellows for a cross blacksmith. This boy was very eager to learn, and as he could not afford to buy books, which were costly in his day, he borrowed all he could. As he had no time or place to sit down and read comfortably, he used to prop these books wide open on a beam just over his bellows. Every time he raised his hand to grasp the handle of the bellows, he read as many words as he could catch in that glance. Then he would think hard on these words while hanging on to the bellows handle, which had to be forced down by his weight. When he rose again, the lad read the next few words, and he went on so until he had finished page after page and book after book. By making such good use of these few seconds between every pull of his bellows, this brave boy not only managed to educate himself well, but learned to read many different languages and became one of the most learned men in the world. You see, he trained his eye to be quick and find the place where he left off reading, his memory to receive a thing which he had only seen once, and his mind to think hard about whatever he read. Most boys, placed as he was, would have declared that they had no time to study, for they had to work hard all day. But this one knew that a few minutes at a time, given every day to any study, with the firm resolve to do one's best, are bound to bring about great results in the end. Do not wait, therefore, until you have plenty of time to begin anything. Begin now. Use all the little odds and ends of time you have. Learn to do things in such a way as to save time. And before long, you will find out you have leisure enough to do many things, if only you choose to do some. Man has five senses, as they are called. These are the means by which he can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. Most of us have all these senses complete. But a few poor children are deaf or blind or without any sense of t smell or taste. Children who do not have the use of all five senses miss a great deal of the good we have to enjoy, and we should therefore be very kind to them and try to help them in any way we can. You all know that we see by the means of our eyes, which we have called until now the windows of our little houses. But eyes are much more than windows. I suppose most of your children have seen a camera with which photographs are taken. Well, our eyes are the finest and best cameras ever made. Every picture which passes in front of those windows, when the curtains, eyelids, are raised, is quickly photographed. The photograph servant, who we will make believe lives there, takes one snapshot after another, and then his helpers stow all these photographs away in the brain storehouse, where the master can call for them whenever he pleases, and look them all over as often as he likes. 
If we look at pleasant people and beautiful things, we have many lovely pictures to stow away in our private picture gallery. But if we look at cross people and hateful things, we have pictures which can give us no pleasure to look over later on. These wonderful cameras of ours are very delicate, as we have only two of them, and can get new ones when they are out of order or worn out. We must take good care of them. To take the very best care of your eyes, you should always keep them clean, never rub or touch them with dirty fingers, and work and study only when the light is good and when you are not tired. If you read or sew when it grows dark, when the light is dim, when the sun is shining brightly on your book or work, or when you're tired, you are likely to strain your eyes. Never try to look hard at very bright objects like the sun, and do not strain your eyes or tire them in any way. If you cannot see well, you should have your eyes examined and wear glasses so that your eyes may be helped to do you a good service as they can for as long as a time possible. Baby's eyes need special care if you wish him to see well when he grows up. So be very careful not to let the sun shine right into them when he's in his carriage and place the light where it cannot fall upon him when he is asleep. Besides that, you should keep baby's eyes clean by washing them carefully every day. Eyes are so delicate that they must be bathed very, very gently, but plenty of water is good for them at all times. If they feel tired, it is often good to give them an extra washing with water as hot as you can bear it. One can also train one's eyes to see more or less quickly, all one wishes them to take in. Deaf-mute children whom I know can glance at pictures and take in every detail in a flash. They often surprise me because they see and think so well. Those children have learned to see what their friends say by watching their lips. You see, they are making good use of their eyes. They learn to talk by imitating the motions of other people and feeling how they use the muscles of their throats. Blind children learn mostly by hearing and by touch. Their sense of touch is so very quick and so delicate that they can read raised print as fast and as well as other children can read ordinary print. Some children who are blind and deaf, like Helen Keller, for instance, are obliged to learn nearly everything by means of touch alone. This brave girl worked and worked until at 16 she knew enough to enter college, passing the same examinations as older girls who could both see and hear and getting high remarks, too. In college, she studied so faithfully that she won her diploma like the girls who could see and hear. She then decided to spend her life in helping the blind, deaf, and dumb, and is now leading a busy, useful life. I'm sure you will never hear of a brighter or braver girl, or one who deserves more praise for always being cheerful, hopeful, and busy in spite of her great trials. We, who have all our senses, ought not only to be very thankful, but to see that we make the very best use of them. They were given to us to use, for good or for evil, just as we choose. But if we only make good use of them, we will know we will be a blessing to ourselves and to everybody else. Besides training our eyes to see good things, to like those best, and to dwell as little as possible on those which are really ugly or hateful, we can teach our ears to love beautiful sounds and hear by preference all that is good. The ears, you know, are the telephones of our little house. Anyone can call up anything he pleases through an ear telephone, which receives all kinds of messages. But the master can heed these or not, just as he pleases. And a wise master listens only to what is good and right. Whenever anything wrong or unpleasant is being said, he quickly sends a message down to the hands, bidding them close the openings to the ear telephone, so that no more of the talk that he does not like shall come up into the station to be stowed away in his brain." 
I would advise all children to stop up their ears tight in this way, whenever anyone says anything which they feel is not right, and to run away, for they surely do not want their brain storehouse all filled with memories of bad words, evil suggestions, naughty or unkind speeches, or mean thoughts. Our ears, like our eyes, are very delicate indeed. They too need to be kept quite clean by frequent and careful washing. Never poke anything into your ears. Save the tip of your finger or a corner of your sponge, washcloth, or handkerchief, and be sure that nature will take care of any wax which you cannot reach in that way. Keep your ears clean. Do not let a sharp draught blow into them. Try not to let them get too cold. And if they ache, never use anything but hot water, hot cloths, or a few drops of sweet oil heated in a spoon and carefully dropped into the hole. If this does not cure your earache, it would be best for you to see a doctor, because the ears and eyes are very delicate and precious, and nobody can afford to neglect them. If you are too poor to pay a doctor, you know you can always go to the nearest hospital where you will be taken care of and where they will give you medicine and advice free of charge. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Visit our website at www.enchantedlibrary.net to see our past books or to connect with us on Facebook. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash enchantedlibrary. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends, happy reading.